Napier. Welcome, folks, to Wednesday Night Live. <laughs> oh, it's so good to, to welcome you in. Wish you were here. Um, you're probably wondering what we're laughing at. Well, <laughs> it's too late. You just have to be here next time before we start. Oh, Jesus. God is good. <sighs> well, tonight <clears throat> we wanted to talk about um, how to overcome um, spiritual weariness. <laughs> One of the verses that uh, we're going to talk about, we might as well talk about now, because it's uh, it's from uh, <clears throat> Nehemiah chapter eight, uh, verse thirteen, the, uh, the famous passage <clears throat> where <clears throat> the people are told that the joy of the Lord is their strength, and um, I I just. Um, I just know that God has given us a great, um, a great task, and that is to partner with him in speaking the ways of sonship and the, the specified ministry of being a saint to the nations of the world, and particularly to the people who he has prepared and called uh, with a hunger in their heart to do this. And um, you can tell who God puts, has put this hunger in because when they receive the message, it's as if they have found the solution that they've sought for. Um, and um, truly, the joy of the Lord <clears throat> is our strength. The joy of um, walking in the plan of Yahweh is produces a fulfillment and produces a, a delight that is um, that is supernatural strength in that passage is the hebrew word ma'az which is used regularly to pronounce what a stronghold is but it's a it's a it's a it's 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 a variant of oz one of the hebrew power words which means that God moves in whatever way he needs to move. And very often when he moves in his power, it is not just a show of force, but it, it causes people to think, how in the world did that happen? Or, you know, where did that come from? Which is why um, when Frank Baum wrote, well, wrote uh, The Wizard of Oz, he used, he used that word to typify someone who would be behind the great curtain and do things that would mystify the people. He borrowed that Hebrew word. So it's, it's provision, it's solution, but it's also something that um, is mystifying to the degree that you don't really know how God did it, but you know he did. And so that's our strength. 
So when we are walking in the pathway of God's plan and his purpose, you're going to need to know <clears throat> that God is truly going to come through for you. And uh, you just need to commit yourself to um, the recognition that no matter what you're facing in opposition, no matter what is being drawn from you to the point that you feel weak or insufficient, that God somehow, some way, is going to come through in a dynamic manner. And so you, you let that be your confidence. You let that be your delight. And um, that's our joy is really in fulfilling what his plan is because that's the apex. That's the agenda. We are partnering with Elohim to accomplish the plan of Yahweh. <clears throat> and um, the recognition that God is going to protect us, he's going to watch over us in his stronghold, and in that stronghold there is provision, but there's also a solution that God has in mind that usually nobody can predict. And so... Um, that's a pretty good signature uh, verse for us to begin with. But there are a number of verses that we want to look at tonight. And I, I have them here. And we're going to, um, we're just going to look at them. I prepared a teaching sheet today. I, I had, was privileged to be with a family in a, in a hospital situation during a surgery that went well. And before I left... I thought that I forwarded this teaching sheet, and I recognized that it didn't come through. So, uh, but that's okay. There's just a few passages, and we'll we'll just show our knowledge of the word and and go to them. Uh, let's we're in this year of grace, so let's look at Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verse nine. It's a very well known passage, and Second um, Corinthians chapter twelve verse 9. It speaks about grace and opposition to grace. Um, I'll get there. I've got the senior adult Bible up in front of me, which means that you have to turn really slow. Uh, <laughs> see? See how slow I'm turning? It has, this, it has speed bumps and uh, uh, school zone speeds. Um, here Paul in this 12th chapter is talking about how that God had given him a lot of visions and revelations. And those visions and revelations uh, were specifically aimed to familiarize Paul with what the Lord was doing in those days in the early church. And uh, additionally, to show him the mysteries of the transition from the law into grace. And um, Paul was a great student, Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was a great student of the law. He was a skilled interpreter of the things of the old covenant. And he was perfectly suited by God to be able to look into them and to bring them into an understanding of what the Spirit of God was doing after the sacrifice of Jesus. And so, um, in many ways, we 
we have been given the privilege of walking in that in that same pathway um, I, I, I remember a number of times the Lord speaking to me about how that really what what he's given us as pneumaticos people to do is a is a continuation of the progression of grace revelation that Paul had and um, that's quite a that's quite a daunting prospect but we've lived that for a number of of years now uh, the things that God has been so good to us in showing us from his word um, are really uh, miraculous pneumaticos <clears throat> extensions from what has been known you know the living word keeps living and it keeps breathing so Paul is really describing these um, you know these things that God has done in him and continues to do in him uh, he had many visions and revelations. He had encounters in the spirit realm, which he mentions in verse 2 and 3 and 4. And then he speaks about the fact that the enemy uh, was allowed to come. And I'm sure, you know, Paul's the one that wrote about theatrons. Paul was the one that wrote about how uh, when mysteries are revealed in the church, it's before the principalities and powers in heavenly places. So Paul was the one that wrote these things, and he was aware of how that works. It, it really does this. A person is seeking God. God will illuminate a concept or a theme that needs to be brought forth into the life and dynamic of the church. That person commits themselves, and they study diligently, and they listen to the Spirit. And God fills in that pneumonicus understanding. And at a given point, he allows for there to be opposition to it. And that can take many forms, but it's, um, it's, it's not a pleasant experience. Now, you would think that if somebody was getting these, I used to always wonder this, and we've said this in a lot of ways. You know, when God first started to move in us in, after 1996, as a pastor here, I thought, that our congregation would just absolutely love what God was doing, what he was showing. And boy, was, was I mistaken in that assessment. Um, it, it was like with every new thing God was showing, it was like uh, the enemy found so many different ways to attack and to ridicule and to stir up problems. And I know that it was because of what we were doing as intercessors for God I know it was because of the pathway that we were establishing apostolically that we've, we're seeing bear fruit in phenomenal ways now. And, and, uh, but primarily, it's because of what God was showing in his word. <clears throat> and the enemy is attacking the word now in new ways. Um, and, um, but it's because he's afraid of what the living word can breathe into the body and the church. So here when Paul says, um, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations that was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Again, throughout the Old Testament, thorns in the flesh usually have to do with people. Um, 
the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength, dunamis, is made perfect in your <clears throat> asthenia, your weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, is that word again, that the dunamis of Christ, the dunamis of Christ may rest upon me. So I've learned to take pleasure in those asthenias, those assignments that God gives that are unformed but need to be brought to life. That in itself is a description of how God has moved through you and through this body and through the saints. Um, and it, it goes against what most, um, most ideas of what a church should be what it goes against most of those but this is what God began his church in doing and this is what we should do so I I say that sometimes when we are laboring in this pathway we feel the weariness of spiritual contesting and we feel the drain that 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 can um, that can avail upon us from this type of opposition and um, what our answer is to keep our eyes on grace and keep our eyes on the power or the function dunamis is the function dunamis is the is the um, the generated influence of whatever it is that God's doing when that starts to function that's what dunamis is. And it says the power of Christ or the power of me walking, walking with God as an anointed son will rest upon me. And in some way, we've got, to, we've got to embrace that concept and theme in this season more than any other. Because when we work with Jesus and we are working with him, he's praying for us to accomplish the will of our heavenly father as saints when he's standing with us in Arteria, when we are laboring together with Christ, <clears throat> we are laborers together with Christ. See, I'm preaching real good. That light just came on. Um, when, we're, when we're doing that, um, we need to believe that as grace mobilizes after this opposition, when grace mobilizes and the dunamis power is flowing, that it needs to come upon us in a, in, a, in a unique way. There is a strength, a divine strength that comes upon his people when grace comes to fruition. And that needs, we need to recognize that and draw from that because that's a, that's a promise. Here, what Paul says, you know, I'm going to glory in this thing that I've been laboring in because God's dunamis, it's his function, his grace, his intended objective is going to happen. And through that then, the power, the dunamis of Christ will rest upon me. We need to lay claim to that. That this, the success, the victory, really the joy of the Lord, that strength is ours. And it comes upon us to replenish, to encourage to outfit for what is coming next. And so I would say that 
uh, at this season, you know, and I wonder about that because this last trip, I've said this a number of times and others have said, coming back from this wonderful um, field of, of opportunity in Brazil and the way God is moving there, to feel that spiritual and physical drain was unlike any that I can remember in any of the journeys we've taken. And I, I thought, Lord, what is the solution to this? But see, then again, every challenge gives you an opportunity to learn something new from God in his word that you can then rely on because the solution, the hunger, brings the, the fulfillment. The challenge brings the solution. The, <clears throat> the issue that you're facing brings the answer if you're walking in God. And so I think that that grace and that fruitfulness and that function we're seeing, I think one of the things we need to do is say, Lord, let that rest upon me. Let that, let that dunamis power, that, <clears throat> that thing that's bringing praise to you, let in some ways that, let that move upon my identity as being Christ-like and so we need to remember that verse. And it ties in with this verse that Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verses 25, and I think we'll read through verse 30. Um, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hid these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for, it's, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knows the Son but the Father. Neither knows any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Did you recognize, I remember years ago when I first started to talk about the Father, uh, that created some issues in some of the folks that were here, godly people, people that were devoted to prayer, and they didn't really know what to think of it. That, that revelation of the Father started coming many months after we first began to pray. <clears throat> and there were some who even said, well, you know, I feel like I'm more called to Jesus than I am to the Father, and I thought, you better watch what you're saying here because everything Jesus did, he was directing us to the Father. And here in this verse, he says, nobody knows the Father except the Son and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. So if you're called to Jesus, guess what? He's going to be leading you to the Father. That's who you're redeemed to. And then Jesus says this, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, what is the context of that verse? Coming to know the Father. Walking with Jesus and coming to know the Father. And, of course, then Jesus continues in verse 29. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Now, I've heard this preached on so many times in so many different ways. 
And it's always from the angle of is life beating you down? It's, it's almost like a commercial on late night television. Is your life beating you down? Are you on your last leg? Have you had to borrow a leg from somebody because both of your legs were gone? And, and it's always from the standpoint of if you'll come to Jesus, he'll make all everything better. Well, the Lord is good in that way. But what is the context here? And then people will say, well, you shouldn't be working that hard because he said his yoke is easy and his burden is light. We don't believe in warfare. We don't believe in travailing like that. What part of easy and light don't you understand? Some of you probably heard that very thing. Until you look at what these words mean. Easy is krestos, and that is a derivative of being anointed as a son. You know, krestos, Christ, it's very same. So his yoke is, first of all, that you are accepting the role of a son from God, and you are walking in his calling and his anointing. His burden is light. Well, this is uh, the same word as our buddy John the Baptist used when he said he had to decrease so God might increase. Or, if you want to be literal, he must increase, I must decrease. Um, but that means elast elastos. That means that you become whatever you need to be. You, if God is moving, you stretch yourself to move with him. If God is, is bringing things into a narrow place, you become that. That's what his yoke is easy and his burden is light is. Your burden is to become whatever God needs you to be. Um, your, um, your yoke is to walk in a Christ-like way as an anointed son. And uh, that's what Jesus is saying. So he says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you how to walk as a son. I am meek. Meekness is knowing when to use your strength and when to, to not use it according to what God wants you to do. Being lowly in heart is humility. You know, not getting haughty, becoming humble before God, being contrite before him. All of these things, Jesus says, if you, if you do that, you'll find rest for your souls, your emotions, the way you think. And um, so what does Jesus then say about this, come unto me, all you that are laboring and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What's he mean by that? Well, if you're doing all these things, if you've got God's yoke and you're, you're doing these things as a son and you are walking with the Father as Jesus has presented you to the Father, if you're coming to Jesus, it's because, number one, you're bearing the load that God has given you. you are, you're not shirking from those duties you're heavy laden. You are bearing those things that God has given you. And guess what? When you're faithful in the small things, he, he, he gives you more. So it's not that you're trying to get rid of stuff. You're taking on the responsibilities that God has entrusted to you. And he never gives you more than you can, you can bear. And uh, if, you're, if you're laboring, that means you're working at it. You're working at it. So when you come to Jesus... When you come to Jesus, is it so that he'll take away your responsibilities? No, if the Father's given them to you, is it so that 
you know, you won't have to work? No. What is this rest that's given? It's for your souls. And sometimes it's our emotions. Sometimes it's our way of thinking. We're just not thinking properly. And, um, you know, I can tell you, over this past week or so, I've looked at the bevy of things that are before us that God has given, and it's a sign of fruitfulness. It's a sign of responsibility. And I'm looking at all these things, and my mind says, oh, how are you going to do that? And then, you, then, then your, mind, your, your, your mouth wants to say, we're not going to be able to do all this. Or we don't, and we start processing. Well, we don't have enough people, you know. We don't, you know, you start going down. The Lord, when we come to the Lord, that's what he wants to touch. And I believe that's what constitutes the mind of Christ. The mind of the anointed son. What the way we're supposed to think. See, because if you... If you adjust your perspective, recognizing all these things, if you don't, you're going to start criticizing all that you have to do. You're going to criticize all the work you're having to do. You're going to criticize the calling God has given you. You're going to criticize every one of these things that Jesus says happens when he brings you to the Father. And when you come to Jesus, he's going to give you rest, and that rest is identified as for your soul. So you've got, you've got to recognize that the Lord is going to align your perspective. And when your perspective is aligned, then he can breathe his, his directives into it. He can tell you prophetically what to do, what not to do. And suddenly a miracle happens. And it's God's miracle. So when you come, when he says, come unto me right after he says, I've just led you to my father and you know him now. When you come to him, he's not going to, it's not going to be, and I mentioned this yesterday, it's not going to be like that footprints in the sand picture where he said, all of a sudden I saw one set of footprints and I said, Lord, where have you gone? And I haven't gone anywhere. That's when I carried you. It, you know, you won't find that in the scripture anywhere, but you know, the point is, is that he expects us to stand with him. That's the great delight of God. I remember one of the first visions that God gave me in the sanctuary um, happened. It, it actually was an extension of a dream. And then when I came here early morning to pray, the vision continued. And <clears throat> there was a huge rock. It was a big rock uh, that was looking out over the ocean. And the Lord was standing on this rock, and I was privileged to come up beside him, and we were looking out over the sea, and there was another person uh, coming up onto the rock. And uh, I really felt so compelled that that was signaling that God was taking us, going to be taking us to the nations, and we were standing with the Lord, gaining his perspective. That's what God wants from us. He wants partnership. He wants us to be the many brethren that he is the firstborn made uh, possible for us to walk in that calling. So when we come to the Lord, uh, the rest he's going to give you is, 
is a, is a, is a confirmation that what God has entrusted to you, you're going to be able to do through him. It's kind of like what Paul said in the verses we just looked at. Lord, take this away from me. Three times I ask, aren't you listening? My grace is sufficient. And Paul said, then I'm, I'm going to look for the glory in the midst of the assignments God has given me because his power is going to come into that. And then when it comes into that, that's going to come upon my identity as being Christ-like. So I think we just need to, to recognize that perhaps we need to take the Lord, not perhaps, we need to take the Lord at his word here. And we need to specifically go to him. He said, come to me. And, and ask him to give us rest in our souls. Give us that confidence. Give us that divine perspective. Let those things that we see not become daunting in our, in our conceptualization, but let those things become uh, an exciting point of victory in the way we look. And it reminds me, you need that when Jesus said, <clears throat> If you say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in your heart. That right there is speaking about how your spirit is functioning with him. And doubts emerge from that into the mind. And if you have that, no matter, you're going to see that mountain and you're going to say, there's no way that thing's going to move. But if you don't have that doubt, you can say to it, be removed. Because God will have given you the words to say, the timing to say them, and, the, and give us the understanding as to what's going to happen when that thing is moved. So we need rest for our soul. So I think we need to come to the Lord at a time in these next few days. Come to Jesus. We're going to have a come to Jesus meeting. And we're going to say, Lord, give me rest in my thinking. Give me rest in my emotions. Give me rest in my perspectives, because that's what our Lord said. This senior adult Bible doesn't have those words in red, but I bet you in some of your Bibles it does, because Jesus said it. So, um, that's another way that we gain strength. Come to him. He's not going to take away your assignments from the Father, and he's not going to take away the need for work. <laughs> so don't even, don't even think the Lord's going to do that. Don't even think it. So, but what is he going to do? He's going to let that rest of God come into your soul. And that's, that's, what we, that's what we need. Now, let's look at another passage. Uh, and, and actually two passages that basically use the same terminology. First is Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. How do the French say that? Galats? Galatians? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think it is Galats. G-A-L-A-T-E-S. I've heard Luke say it enough. 
Um, Galatians 6, 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now this also says it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. We might as well just go ahead and read that now. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Um, but you, brethren, do not be weary in well-doing. If any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. I just thought I'd throw those two verses in there just in case anybody needed them. Uh, but what I find interesting about this, be not weary in well-doing. Well-doing is what we're, what we're about. But, but the funny thing is, is weary is, is this word, ekakeo. It's from kakos. So weariness is when you're walking through kakos, don't let it weary you. That's literally what it says, ekakeo. And sometimes when you're doing the work of the Lord and you're, and you're laboring and you're, you're, you're heavy laden and, you know, his grace is sufficient and you've got enemies buffeting and thorns coming at you and trying to pierce the fruit and get you if it can, um, you're stepping through a lot of kakos, which is evil and it's, it's, uh, it's really a refuse kind of a thing, which is why throughout the world uh, they take derivations of that word to describe stuff that you might step in that you don't really like to step in. Uh, because that's really what it, what it is. I didn't write this, the Spirit did. So weariness is when you're walking through that mess, don't, don't, let, it, don't let your objective of well-doing become um, <laughs> soiled. <laughs> don't, let it, don't let it become... Uh, discourage. Don't don't let it rule the day. Let the well doing rule the day. And you know it's kind of funny because I remember when I was growing up as a kid. You know there were certain things that I just didn't like to be around. You know, I'll just go ahead and talk. We're talking cacos here. So um, if somebody threw up or something like that, oh, it just turned my stomach, and I wouldn't want to be around it at all. Man, it's just gross. And, you know, if, if I remember uh, uh, lots of things like that. But then when I had kids, there wasn't anywhere for me to run. You know, if it happened, it happened. And you either dealt with it or it didn't get dealt with. So the well-doing of taking care of my daughters allowed me to deal with the cacos. And, but it was the well-doing that did it because up to that time, I had no enamoring for such stuff. It just it wasn't my cup of tea, as it were. And I noticed that with the, with the, with the twins, you know. Sometimes they, they do stuff, and pretty soon, you know, sometimes they, they, they're funny, but they'll spill things or they'll mess things up. And, you know, I figured... No sense crying over spilled milk, you know, no sense yelling at them. I mean, no sense getting mad unless they didn't do it on purpose. It's got to be cleaned up. 
Ain't nobody else around here is going to do it, so let's just do it. You can either become really irritated and aggravated that they did this, but the objective is to take care of it and move forward with what you're doing. Do not be ekakeo in your well-doing. Keep your eyes on the well-doing. You're going to go through this. Kakeo happens. <laughs> it's another t-shirt. Um, just don't let it keep you from the well-doing. So all of these verses that we've looked at are saying similar things, and they're keys to our victory as we're moving forward on behalf of what the Heavenly Father says. Um, first, it's a measure of perspective. Keep your eyes on what God has given you. Remember what Jesus said in, in the book of Matthew, chapter 11. You've been brought to the Father, so he's given you assignments and responsibilities, and you're going to have to work with him. And, you know, recognize that you're working with me. You're yoked with me, so you are to be Christ-like, and you've got to become whatever the Father requires you to become so that the work can be done. And so <clears throat> come to me, and I will give you rest. Come to me, and I will touch your perspective I will touch your emotions if you let me. If you'll release them to me, don't hang on to them and let them be your best friend. Release them to me. That will position you for a proper perspective and put you in a position to hear prophetically what I really want to do. If all you're doing is looking at the cacao, you're not going to do the well-doing. You're going to be like Peter who took his eyes off Jesus put his eyes on the waves, and drop down into that sea. Keep your eyes, keep your perspective. That's what Jesus is going to give you. Don't come to him and lay all your stuff on the altar and expect him to take away your work and to take away your assignments. God the Father is not going to be pleased with that. He's the one that gave it to you. And so that's what Jesus gives. Um, we have to... We have to recognize that um, we're working in grace. There is opposition. It's not just refuse. There, there is real opposition that's coming against what assignments you've been given. But we have to keep our eyes on what those things are, are destined by the purpose of God to become. And we look for the functionality of it. And somehow that looking at that functionality becomes a strength to us, and it will come upon us as we are Christ-like. That power of the fulfillment of our mission will come upon us. We need to draw from that. And again, that passage uh, that we began with, um, the joy of the Lord is our stronghold. It's our... Uh, it's our promise of victory in a way that we weren't expecting but is glorious. Uh, that joy is the fulfillment is our strength. The creative power and promise of God is our strength. And we've got to keep our eyes on that. So that's why we look not on the things that are around us, but we walk by faith. We, we don't look at the things that are around us and let that be our preoccupation. We walk by what God has said 
at the right hand of his throne. Those things, all these verses, they provide for us measures of strength and fulfillment that come because of our assignment and only in the assignment. If we're looking for some other solution in this pathway, it ain't coming. These solutions are built in to the fulfillment of the, the assignment and partnership with God. And that's, that's God's solution. That's what we have to have. So we have to look at it in this way. We have to begin to draw upon these promises in an immodicost way and believe that when Jesus said them, he meant them. But if we're just going to take them, and I'm not saying anybody in this room is going to do this anymore, and use the old-timey way of thinking about it, well, I came to the Lord, I've just been beat down and put out, the devil's been after me all week, and I'm coming to Jesus, and he'll give me rest. That is not the context of what Jesus was saying in Matthew 11. Read it again. It's all about, hey, I brought you to the Father. Now, the only way you can get there is through me. Why is that? Is it just because of, of Calvary? Of course. But in essence, it's because Jesus patterned sonship for us. And you are willing to be a son. So I'm going to bring you to my Father. That's the context. And when you go to the Father, haven't we said this in other ways? When we're drawn up to the throne, we're going to be rejoicing in God. But we're going to come away from there with an assignment of faith. That's what the right hand of the throne of God gives you. And you're going to come away with understanding, but you're going to come away with responsibility. And so uh, you just got to be ready for what's at the bottom of the hill. Those enemy forces that want to block your momentum or you know, all the things. You know, we should write a book called At the Bottom of the Hill. All the places in the scripture where, you know, Moses, what was going on with Moses when he came down with the 15, 10 commandments? Those people were down there dancing naked. I'm telling you, they were dancing naked. And they had built a, a golden calf. And uh, God said, get ye down, Moses. At the bottom of the hill, there's always going to be crazy things. But you've got to remember what was told you at the top of the hill and keep your perspective. And you're walking through that stuff at the bottom of the hill. Don't get it all over your feet. Keep your eyes on the well-doing. Amen? Our grace assignment is more than enough, sufficient. And so we've got to take these promises and look at them in the perspective and the context in which they were given and draw strength from that. But it's a strength for our unique assignment which is God's assignment. And we've got, to, we've, got to, we've got to gain this. Now, there was another passage that I was going to bring here tonight, but it's really not where we are right now. But in Hebrews, uh, it says all those verses about being chastened. You know, whoever the father loves, he chastens sons, and he's training you. And then it says, so therefore... Lift up the hands that have fallen down and strengthen the knees that are about to, you know, you've just, you're just tired of moving forward in grace. And it's more of an admonition to buck it up and to, 
and to receive the training of God, no matter, no matter how that training is affecting you and your refinement, and go forward. <clears throat> and the other couple of times where that lifting up the hands that have fallen down, it, it's all in the context of you being trained. Now, there may be some of that involved in this process, but I really doubt it because, you know, when that was happening was prior to the assignment being given. You know, when God gives you a major assignment of grace, you're going to learn through that, but the thing that brought you into that assignment was that chastening of the Lord. So that happened before. So, so you've got God bringing you, God wanting to develop you and strengthen you. He's testing you. And the temptation then would be, I don't think I can do this. I, you know, I thought you loved me, God. What's wrong with me? You know, all the songs I hear in the radio is about how much you love me. And why are you doing this to me? And then others will say to you, well, you know, God really does love you, so you must not be doing what he wants. Otherwise, you would have this jump in the air and click up your heels and be, just be happy all the time. Well, whoever God loves, he chastens as a son. That's what that Hebrew says. And so when you go through that and you decide not to have a pity party, then when you do that, then God can say, okay, now I want to use you in this assignment of grace. So you go from a point where it's kind of self-inflicted weariness, kind of a pity party weariness, and then God gives you an assignment, and then all these other kinds of challenges come. But they're not bad things. They're positive signs. We just need to know how to draw from the strength of the Lord to supply those. What is the fuel of our battle? What is the fueling of our exertion? How do we get that? Does it come through somebody laying hands on us? No. Does it come through praying by somebody that's really powerful? Not necessarily. It's, it's going to come through you coming to Jesus and saying, you know what, I'm having a problem with the way I'm thinking about this. Or it's going to come from you recognizing, you know what, I'm just looking more at the stuff I'm walking through than the agenda. Oh, Lord, you know... Um, here's this enemy that's attacking. I don't know why you're letting him do this. This is your work. It's not mine. You said in your word, the battle is not yours, but it's mine. And you start listing all those verses and you go before God and it's like he's not listening to you. So you come again. And this time you've talked to three or four other people. They've given you some verses and God's not listening. You come to the third time and God says, my grace is sufficient for you. So we've got to draw from that. Grace is a fueling. And so we've got to ask God for these things. And we've got to do it knowledgeably. And you've seen the scriptures here tonight. We've got to lay claim to it and, and know, know what, what to do. You know? Uh, it's all in knowing what, what you need for a situation. Um, and God's word is very clear for us. So I have a feeling that we need this right now. And uh, so I declare over all of the saints who are listening to us and over all the saints here in this mothership that 
that you're moving in the strength and the power of the Lord and you're not going to give way to failure. Failure is not an option for us. We've been entrusted these assignments from our Heavenly Father. And the world is waiting. Uh, it's his timing. It's his plan. And it's a wonderful thing. So um, I, I, I bless all of you. And I bless what we have the privilege of walking with the Lord in. But these things are pneumaticos nutrients and points of strength for the pathway we're in. So take them. Use them. Amen? Amen. Well, I already declared things over you, so I don't know why I'm going to pray them over you. I just bless you in the name of the Lord. And thank you for, uh, thanks for being here tonight. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Um, we'll see you in prayer this week. Good night.